Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport as we dissect the weekend's Premier League action. It's a wonderful, wonderful goal from Diania. Marvellous, marvellous fourth goal for West Bromwich Albion. It's like watching Brazil. Mares wants it back again. Jesus is trying to break the lines. He has broken the lines. He set up Sterling, who's inside the six-yard box. He's left the defender for dead. Plays it back to Jesus through the legs of Castagna and in. And Jesus scores on his 24th birthday to secure all three points for Manchester City. Coming up, former England and West Ham winger Trevor Sinclair says Thomas Tuchel's complacency over team selection cost Chelsea the game against West Brom. Looking at that team selection, Thomas Tuchel complacency all day long these for West Brom we'll deal with these we're good enough to deal with these they didn't give enough energy that they had that desire to beat them and that was disappointing that would be disappointing from Chelsea fans TalkSport commentator Alex Crook is on the show he tells us Danny Ings should stay put at Southampton despite interest from elsewhere I, I would be a bit cautious if I were Danny Ings I wouldn't necessarily want to go to Manchester City and play second fiddle to a Haaland or a Harry Kane sometimes the grass isn't always greener and Danny Ings will know that because of course he went to Liverpool and it was ravaged by injury plus the rest of the weekend's action reviewed including Manchester United's latest second half comeback all with me Sam Matterface Trevor Sinclair and Alex Crook on the game day podcast from TalkSport uh, the cut and thrust in the Premier League is back Tricky Trev is here too hello Hello, Sam. And uh, Cutthroat Cook is with me too. How are you? Good, good. Just uh, been back in the studio for the first time this year with the two Darrens, Benton Ambrose. Good bit of fun on Easter Sunday. Yeah, three Easter eggs together. We will try and have a bust up like Rudiger and Kepper. I know, they, they didn't play either. What are they falling out about? Uh, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, happy Easter to both of you. What was your highlight of the weekend, Trevor? My highlight was getting rid of the Manchester United bar of chocolate, which we were given as a gift, which we was were. very nice, and a, a bottle of wine. I drank the bottle of wine and I saved the bar of Manchester United chocolate and gave it to my friend who's a big red today who came over and we went for a walk. So that was my highlight. Okay, so so for Easter Sunday, you didn't go and buy someone an egg. You just used some chocolate that you had stashed in the back of your uh, pantry and, uh, and gave it to him. Well, that's, that, that's good. What about you, Crook? Did you do anything special? But Trev should have kept that because they could have used that chocolate to build the statue of the Aguero company and David Silva outside the Etihad. <laughs> At least you haven't been talking about that much this weekend. Uh, my highlight was um, Southampton Burnley. Who'd have thought that would be a five-goal thriller at St Mary's? Uh, what brilliant game that was, by the way. Absolutely fabulous match. Um, my highlight of the weekend uh, came from the Arsenal-Liverpool game. And Allison's fantastic Tom Selleck S. Tash. I mean, that was absolutely magnificent, wasn't it? I mean, literally, he, he is Magnum P.I. So much so that when I woke up this morning, I said to Mrs. Matterface, I think I'm going to shave off the old stubble and grow the Tash. Oh, I'd love it if you did that. So uh, I, I I've, I've spoken to Coley about it. I've spoken to Perry Groves about it. And I reckon for next Sunday, I'll have something going on on there. What do we reckon? Deary me. Deary, deary me. You're not having it, are you? Well, he reminded me of uh, Ron Jeremy, um, the famous uh, US actor, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> or, Ron, or Ron Burgundy for Anchorman. <laughs> right, let's get to the rest of the weekend's action.
goal from Diania. Marvellous, marvellous fourth goal for West Bromwich Albion. It's like watching Brazil. They were fantastic in that break. Chelsea have looked open to the break and they're in again here and it's another brilliant goal. Fabulous finish. Chelsea 2, West Bromwich Albion 5. Newcastle, well, they gave it a right good go and recognisable from the Brighton game. They stay fourth bottom, but uh, Spurs miss out on going fourth. These two sides played a draw in London. They played a draw in the North East as well. Good game, though, and I reckon the result's about right. Newcastle 2, Spurs 2. Mares wants it back again. Jesus is trying to break the lines. He has broken the lines. He's set up Sterling, who's inside the six-yard box. He's left the defender for dead. Plays it back to Jesus through the legs of Castagna and in. And Jesus scores on his 24th birthday to secure all three points for Manchester City. It's like um, the orchestra here. They're all playing to Kevin De Bruyne's tune. You know, when the ball goes into him, his awareness and his and his pace of pass and the choice of pass is, is incredible. The ball into the penalty area from Salah and it's Jota again who slams in the third and Liverpool are running riot here at the Emirates Stadium. North London bashed, Arsenal ripped apart by Liverpool and Tottenham given a rough ride after the failure to beat the country's worst team in the league on current form. But it's not that. Tottenham, they, they weren't bad. They just weren't that good. They didn't take their chances. They gave away a really cheap goal. They came up against a Newcastle side that actually deserve a little bit of praise, Trevor, for the way that they changed their approach. But you know, Jose Mourinho's team selection really surprised me. What about you? Yeah, I think it surprised me, um, the fact that he's playing Sanchez, Tandanga on the right, Rodon. I don't know. I just I don't think they've got the quality defensively, Tottenham. And when you're playing for a Jose Mourinho team, you need to be able to defend well. Uh, they didn't do that. They were too deep at times um, and the communication wasn't good enough. And for me, it was an improved performance from Newcastle. They had a lot more about them, um, looked like they wanted to try and create chances. Uh, Joel Linton, particularly for me, I thought he ran his socks off. And uh, yeah, it's very unlike Mourinho team, this Tottenham side at the moment, going into the lead and not being able to hold it. Uh, Newcastle created chances. Crook played a high tempo. It was a good match to watch, actually. But with Tottenham, it's a question of character, isn't it? Because six times they've led at halftime in the Premier League this season and not gone on to win the game. Why do you think that is? I don't know if it's a test of character or a test of quality, because I look at this Tottenham side and, and Trebs alluded to it I know they have one or two absentees for, for various reasons um, in the case of Toby Alderweireld it was because he turned up late for a, a Covid test before the game I don't know if Mourinho had to leave him out or if that was just Jose trying to make a point but either way clearly it weakened their defence I think if you take Harry Kane out of this Tottenham team it's very very average I don't think it's a, it's a squad that deserves to be in the top four, mm. uh, which is why I don't think you can trust them week in, week out. And we spoke before the game, Sam, that I was covering for TalkSport International. I said, I'm not confident in Tottenham today. I've just got a feeling that Steve Bruce, and we, we should give him some credit, will get a reaction out of Newcastle because they're absolutely on the floor. They stank the place out against Brighton. They've had a two-week international break to lick their wounds. They were much improved. But ultimately, apart from a four-minute spell when Harry Kane scored twice, Tottenham were underwhelming. Okay, well, I don't know what is happening with Toby Alderweireld and Serge Aurier. I think we should investigate this a little bit further because they weren't on the team sheet the week before the international break because apparently they were ill. Mm. Both of them then went off and played for their countries. Alderweireld played 270 minutes for Belgium. Aurier scored whilst on international duty with the Ivory Coast, qualified for the champion, the uh, African Cup of Nations. Mm. But apparently they weren't involved because they didn't do a COVID test until Thursday. Now, the game was on Sunday, right? They had a COVID test on Thursday. Let's just say they didn't get the, the results back till Friday. I mean, when were they supposed to come back? I mean, Belgium didn't play till Tuesday anyway. They weren't ever going to come back until Thursday, were they? Some England players were, were still playing on Wednesday night. So... Seems just a little bit strange. Am I wrong to start sniffing around here a whiff of something wrong? What do you think? Is this a job for Inspector Clouseau? Probably. I think you, you look at the manager. I think he wants things doing his own way. And if the players aren't jumping through hoops exactly the way he wants them, I think this could be a way that he's punishing them. But again, it, it could be that that's to the detriment of the team. And for me, 
you have principles and, and whether they get you the best results or not you stick to them principles and if, it, if this is one of his principles and they've not adhered to it then see you later I don't think you embrace the Pink Panther theme there no uh, Trevor to be honest with you no I don't um, I've just got visions of you Sam <laughs> in a Pink Panther costume that's very strange because I had the same vision <laughs> and there was a time when I had a, uh, a certain shape of mo- nose where that would have fitted perfectly um, Joe Willett got the equaliser the only Arsenal player to score this weekend and against Tottenham too uh, this was a chance for them to sneak into the top four though and they blew it didn't they so um, you know you look at the rest of the, their running I mean you wouldn't trust them you, you said to me earlier on he did he texted me earlier on he said to me I just don't trust them I would never back them even against Newcastle which is a, a sign of real problem I think mm. for um, for Tottenham Hotspur for Newcastle well they've got a bit of luck didn't they with the Fulham game in the uh, later part of the day but ultimately you know it's another point and Steve Bruce was quite keen to come out and point out after the game that he thought that it was the best performance he'd seen them play 17 shots from inside the penalty area. Everything about the performance was a complete contrast to the Brighton game. He made five changes. He, he went with a back three. Still played those split strikers with Almiron through the centre. But there was just more effort and, and, and more endeavour from Newcastle, which, to be fair, is, is the minimum that their supporters demand. I think Steve Bruce, before the game, set them a target of nine points from their last nine matches to stay up. I think they'll get that. They've got Burnley next. Burnley not in great shape. They've still got Sheffield United to play. They've still got Fulham to play. And I've said for a while, I don't think Fulham have it in them to overhaul Newcastle. And I think Newcastle with players coming back, Sam Maximan played the last 25 minutes. Callum Wilson is back on the grass. They will get enough points to stay up. The big question is what happens then to Steve Bruce in the summer. Because once the, the turnstiles open and the fans start coming back into St. James's Park, it's going to be very difficult for him to win the supporters round, even if he keeps them up this season. Uh, Spurs fans get very protective about their club. Football was a lot less tribal probably a year ago, but Harry Kane dominates the charts for goals and assists in the Premier League this season. Both his goals, very different, were brilliantly taken, Trevor Sinclair. Yeah, he scores all kinds of goals. World-class striker. Uh, that's why he's being linked to a move away from Tottenham because at the moment, Tottenham's Careful ambitions on the trip. pitch... Careful, trip. Yeah, no. Tottenham's ambitions on the pitch are not matching Harry Kane's uh, ability and talent. And um, the two don't go hand in hand. Eventually, one, one, they need to part if that's, going to be the, if that's going to continue to be the case. And yeah, he was class. I mean, the second goal in particular, the way that he got his touch out of his feet... He didn't give the, cha- the, the, the the defender a chance Brilliant. to get anywhere near the ball. And then the finish, you knew where it was going. And even if the goalkeeper does get something on that, that's inviting his teammates, which is what you teach on the, on the training ground. Inviting your teammates, go and get yourself a tap in because he's not going to be able to hold it. It's just brilliant centre-forward play. First one as well, fox in the box, sharp as you like. Yeah, top striker. And I agree with Crookie. If, if, if uh, Harry Kane's not in that team, I don't know where Tottenham are. I think they're bottom. They're a bottom half team. Uh, the last man, by the way, to finish top of the goal scoring charts and the assist charts in the same season. Andy was, Cole, uh, you've just interrupted me. I was going to test Trevor. I know you know because you were listening to the Sunday session where we made a big thing about it. Such a I cheat. I listened to it too. Such a cheat. Anyway, yeah, it was Andy Cole. Ninety-three, ninety-four. Listen, tell you what, we only play that every week on the show on Talksport because it gets him uh, a bit of a royalties um, because it only right, got to, nice. only got to number sixty-five in the charts. I uh, bought it. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> so you and Andy Cole bought it. Apart from that, I don't think anybody <laughs> else did. Um, uh, let's talk about Arsenal, Liverpool. Arsenal's dreadful, naive defending against the Reds. Liverpool looked like they could have had six or seven in this game. So I spoke to our commentator on the day, Nigel Adley, and he said, no, no, it was just as bad as anything they produced in December when they were at their worst. The stats really aren't very good for Mikel Arteta. 50 games in charge, and it's got worse, not better. First 25 games, 42 points. Second 25 games, 33 points, Crook. Yeah, and and there was so much wrong with, with that performance. From minute one to minute 94, 95, whatever the stoppage time was, they didn't lay a glove on Liverpool. I, I couldn't see any tactical plan. I don't know what Mikel Arteta had instructed the players to do. I don't know what the ambition was, if there was any, any ambition at all. And... I don't think it's a given that, that, that they're going to cruise through this next round of Europa League fixtures. I, I think if they play like that against Slavia Prague, they could be in trouble because Slavia Prague have proven already their experienced European yeah. campaigners. 
Leicester are clearly a better team than Arsenal and they came a cropper. So if they crash out of that competition, I think big question marks have to be asked about Mikel Arteta. There's going to be no FA Cup as a silver lining this season. They are treading water at best. And as you say, probably going backwards. And Aubameyang signed this massive contract in the summer. I think he's taking the mickey out of the club in the same way that Mesut Ozil did. I think you can count on one hand the number of times this season that he's justified that hefty contract. Mm. The phrase I hate about Arsenal is the, I can see what Arteta is trying to do. Well, if that's play out from the back and press high up the field, they don't do it very well, Trevor. You're a coach. You spend Mm. a lot of time on a training ground, drilling teams and organising teams. Tell me what the philosophy is and why it's not working. Well, part of their philosophy in possession is playing out from the back and they're not good enough. And it's too easy for Liverpool or whoever to take the ball off them. I've seen Burnley press them to, out of the game and win the ball time and time again. So you have to have a, a, a different way to, to play and to play out from the back. For one, you, you know, Emi Martinez is better than Leno. So they made a mistake straight away. Yeah. I'm looking at the back four. Chambers is not a right back or he's not a good enough right back. Kieran Tierney, he got injured. Uh, Sabayas for me is too lightweight to be a Premier League central defense, central midfielder Pepe's been very underwhelming and Aubameyang like Cookie said hasn't been good enough I think apart from that you've got the basis or the spine of a decent team it's not enough you can't carry three or four or five players and expect to do well in the Premier League and for what Arteta's trying to achieve I can tell you now for nothing, it's, it's not going to be successful with that group of players. They're not good enough. It's as simple as that. And, and Liverpool cruised, you know, 64% possession away from home, 16 shots to three, seven to two on target, three nil. I mean, it was so, so easy. And this is a Liverpool side that are trying to get back on the feet, trying to get that momentum going. It's not Liverpool side of last season where they were brushing everyone aside. Yeah. I'd be very concerned if I was an Arsenal fan because that was really poor. I said earlier in the season, it must have been a month ago now, this is the worst Arsenal team in my lifetime. I can't remember a, a worse Arsenal team. And I think Arsenal fans were a little bit miffed by that and annoyed by that because they they feel as if, or they had felt up until this point, that there was some sort of pathway to success for them. But I think even some of those supporters now are starting to realise that actually this isn't the way to do it. You know, I think they were better, as negative as it was, when they put 11 men behind the ball, sat back, soaked up pressure and then sprung on the counter-attack the way they won the FA Cup last year. Yeah, I was just going to say that's exactly how they won the FA Cup. But you do wonder now if, if those two games against Manchester City and Chelsea were just complete flukes. Probably if they played that game plan against Manchester City nine times out of ten, they would lose. Mm. Um, Darren Bent, big Arsenal fan, he's still very much in Arteta's corner because of that FA Cup win. But I think in many, many ways, that just papers over the cracks. I don't see Arsenal anywhere near to becoming top four challengers with that group of players and probably with this manager either. I think like I've said about Manchester United, I think Arsenal need an elite coach to come in and and change the fabric of the club. But let's be completely clear. I mean, then we're, you're comparing apples and pears, but um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is second in the table, regularly pulls results out of the fire when they're not playing particularly well, whereas Arteta is ninth. And yeah. there are teams below him who've got two games in hand. I mean, they could finish in the bottom half of the table. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Look, apart from the Jota goals and Salah's neat finish, Milner had a great chance. Mane had a great chance uh, for Liverpool. They're now two points off the top four, the Reds. On reflection of the other contenders and what they've done this weekend, it's really difficult to call as to who is going to make it into the Champions League places at the end of the season. Trevor, if we don't have any excitement at the bottom and we don't have a title race, <laughs> at least we have some drama into who's going to make it into the top four. Yeah, thank the Lord. And you look at it and Liverpool have put themselves into a great position. That result for Chelsea obviously puts them, leaves them right open to teams catching them. West Ham are full of confidence. We'll have to see what they do tomorrow night. Um, Spurs, again, I'm not sure that Spurs have got enough about them, but you look at Everton, they've got two games in hand. They have gone on runs this season where they could affect that top four. And, you know, with a manager like Carlo Ancelotti in the group, with the confidence, they could start upsetting a few and, and start raising a few eyebrows. So, yeah, that top four, I think that is going to be where the excitement is because looking at the bottom and looking at the actual winners of the Premier League, it's looking pretty obvious at the moment. 
Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1. A devastating late finish from Aston Villa saw them deal a huge blow to Fulham's hopes of Premier League survival. Fulham were gifted the lead against Villa, but despite Mitrovic putting them uh, in front, they conspired to lose three second-half goals after pretty much keeping it tight for most of the game. Um, 78 minutes in, they're out of the relegation zone for the first time since December the 20th. But... They've now dropped 16 points from winning positions over the course of the season. Let's hear from Scott Parker. I didn't think there was much in the game, to be fair, up until our goal. I thought both teams at times huffed and puffed. Uh, we had some nice bits, Aston Villa did as well, but nothing too much. And then you get your nose in front. And um, at that point, with, with 20 on the clock, you, you want to try and obviously manage the game and see the game out. I know it's a long time. Um, and we didn't do that well enough. They equalise, um, which can happen at 1-1, and then from 1-1 from to second and third goals was really disappointing. Fulton team was naive at times, um, and I was disappointed in the way that the game then transpired the last 15 minutes. And, you know, if, in this division, against the quality of what you're up against, if, if that happens and you, you don't deserve anything from the game and you get what you deserve, and that's, and that's exactly where it was today. We are where we are in the division. I, I often spoke, I spoke about it this week, that you need to know our position at certain times. You need to, there needs to be a horribleness about us. There needs to be a, a, a nastiness. Yeah, a different side to us a little bit. And I, I just felt like today we wasn't streetwise enough. We weren't streetwise enough for fif- the last 15 minutes. And as mad as that sounds, I think you see that you can be on the end of one and, and, and three goals in, the, in them 15 minutes was, was what we deserve, really. Scott Parker speaking after the defeat to Aston Villa. We need a bit more of a nastiness, a horribleness about us in order to survive, Trevor. And they did lack that, didn't they, in the last few minutes? Because, as I mentioned, you know, 16 points dropped from winning positions. That's a problem, yeah. isn't it? Well, of course it's a problem. And um, that you can't just uh, say, right, we need this experience to be able to manage games. That comes from failures. And you look at their side and looking throughout their side, apart from Loftus-Cheek and Mitrovic, is very little Premier League um, experience in the side. And they've done well to compete at this level. They've stepped up and they've shown they've got the quality but whether they've got the quality to then see out games and manage games properly. We was at the uh, game between Leicester City and Manchester City and the way that Manchester City managed that game in the second half after going in the lead. That's what elite Premier League players can do. I think this Fulham side have got ability and they've shown they've got ability that they can deal with the standard at this level. But I think they need a bit more experience to be able to get them over the line in certain games. And yeah, they lack that in abundance today. And like Scott said, you've just got to be a little bit nastier um, show a little bit more urgency at times to do certain things and the fundamentals to see games out games out, and they didn't do that well enough today. What you mustn't do is overreact, Crook, because actually they've done very, very well mm. to get to this point. On February the 13th, they were 10 points from safety. You know, for a couple of minutes today, they were out of the bottom three. So it isn't over. They've certainly crept back into contention over a course of a very short period of time. Yeah, but I think it becomes a mental battle now and, and, and psychologically getting out of the bottom three would have been massive for them, albeit Newcastle would still have had a game in hand. So it would still have been really tight down there. But the fact that, as you say, for a few minutes, they were out of those relegation places for the first time in a few months and saw it snatched away. I, I just wonder how much that will scar them and, and how easy it will be for, for Scott Parker to rally his players. And I do think there's a slight cultural problem at, at Fulham as well. You mentioned 16 points lost from winning positions. They're a team who have forgotten how to win games on yeah. a consistent basis. And, and I, I'm not sure you can get that back not, in. Not easy in the Premier the the League season. when you've just been promoted via the, uh, the playoffs no, and you brought in a whole basically new squad to play. Um, in the first team. I mean, he did say before the game, this is part of the season that's vitally important for all teams. You get to the last eight games, middle-of-the-road teams or mid-table teams can, of course, fall away and have nothing to play for. But if you want to go and win leagues, stay in the division, you want to become top goal scorer or anything like that, these are the moments where it's make or break and it's certainly make or break uh, for them. I thought Trezeguet took his goals well after coming from uh, the bench. Villa needed that, didn't they? Because they're without Grealish once again. It's a bit odd, isn't it, that we keep getting info that he's coming back only for him never to actually end up being on the pitch. He's all well there. Is there something more to this injury? Yeah, I think there is a little bit more. Uh, they're keeping the cards close to the chest. But for me, it looks like 
uh, listen, I've not I've not looked at it, but I've had an injury of the calf, and it, if it's the the main belly of the calf muscle, that can be fine. But it's the what shin, find, apparently, it's the shin. Yeah, what what you find? Well, it it started off the calf, and now it's the shin. So the injury, there's a. I'm, I reckon those oh, calves hurt the shin. I mean, those calves <laughs> are the size of. You know, a small well, what, yeah, what was What I was going to say, he has got very prominent calf muscles, as as everyone can see. Uh, they're almost bigger than his quad muscles, but there's a muscle just below the, the, the main belly of the calf muscle, which is called the soleus, and it wraps around the, the bottom of the calf and it is attached to the Achilles. Because you wear boots and you've not got a heel rise, that can get injured. And it, if you, it's not just getting getting it right, you've got then got to do the strength and conditioning to get it strong enough to then go and train every day. And I thought he was back training, all of a sudden he's broke down again. So it kind of coincides with that. So listen, it's a problem. Villa need him fit, England need him fit because he needs to get the games in to get his match fitness from a selfish and personal point of view because we want him in the England side. Forget about being in the squad, we want him in the side. But yeah, Villa, important win for them to get over the line, get three points without him because yeah, people were starting to point the finger and say they are a one-man team. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Fourth placed Chelsea versus West Bromwich Albion in 19th out of 20. Six man West Brom Wolves, so maybe it will be a shot. It is from Alonso, and it's a good one. He struck a post, and Pulisic has scored the rebound, and Chelsea take the lead. Thiago Silva put some pressure on him, and he's going to see a second yellow card here. Thiago Silva's return, his first game for two months, has lasted 28 minutes. Townsend has to go all the way back to his goalkeeper and place it forward. And suddenly Pereira is in and lobs it over the keeper. And West Bromwich Albion have equalised. Pereira turning. He's gone oh. for goal again and scored again. Mateus Pereira has scored twice at Stamford Bridge in stoppage time at the end of the first half. It looked like the chance had gone because it took an eternity for him to get it onto his right foot and then he just plays it nicely into the right-hand corner. Pereira finding Furlong, crossed in again, Robinson and it's three! It's a fabulous West Bromwich Albion goal! Townsend, a little back heel and now it's rolled by Pereira and it's stabbed in by... Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful goal from Diania! It's like watching Brazil! They were fantastic in that break. And here's Werner with a fantastic chance. Oh, he played it square and Mount has scored. It's 4-2. Chelsea have looked open to the break. And they're in again here. And it's another brilliant goal. Robinson, who scored twice against Chelsea at the Hawthorns in September, has scored twice again today. West Bromwich Albion have been able to enjoy their ascendancy. And they've won it by five goals to two. Could West Brom stay up? They played like Brazil in parts on Saturday. They got a little bit fortunate in our live game on TalkSport with the removal of Thiago Silva, who lost his head. Uh, But he can have absolutely no complaints, can he, over that decision? No, it was a horrendous tackle. I know on social media he hinted that he didn't think it was a dismissal. An experienced player like that, just backing the team after injury, should know better. But having said that, Chelsea should should still have known better and not to concede five goals against West Bromwich Albion. You don't need to get hammered just because you're down to 10 men. I thought their game management was appalling. Um, Sam Allardyce said he wanted West Brom on the front foot. They did that. I spoke to him in midweek. He he didn't 
sort of give me any impression that he thought they could stay up, but he thought they could ruffle a few feathers between now and the end of the campaign. Chance after chance created. They had scored one goal in five games before Saturday, Trevor, then five goals in one game. What on earth happened? And he's dropped. I think they've bought into his ideas at last. It might be a little bit too late because games are running out, but the performance was superb. I thought, like Cookie just said, Thiago Silva, 36 years old, when you've been booked, you don't even, you, are, you, you try not to even make a challenge. Just get yourself between the ball and the goal and stay on your feet and just delay. Get bodies around you. You don't have to make a challenge. Schoolboy, he's put his teammates in a lot of trouble and they've not been able to deal with it. Um, I thought Jorginho, his performance, his lack of energy, his lack of quality on the ball. You know, as a Manchester City fan, I'm thinking, we dodged a bullet there because that was not good enough. Forget about the, the, the performance. Mm. If you're not playing well, run around, try your best for your team. The body language was terrible. And I think actually looking at that team selection, Thomas Suchel, complacency all day long. He's for West Brom. We'll deal with these. We're good enough to deal with these. And he's put a weak inside in there. And unfortunately, a little bit of a reality uh, reality check for him. He's t- that The team that he put out weren't good enough. And they, they didn't give enough energy that they had that desire to beat them. And that was disappointing. And that'll be disappointing from Chelsea fans. And and you, <laughs> you know what? Actually, I, I was sat in bed watching uh, Match of the Day on uh, on Saturday night, and I thought of a song um, with Sam in mind, but <laughs> with with Chelsea in so mind. So you were as thinking well. about me when you were in bed on Saturday night. I'm Very worried strange. for you. <laughs> often the case, mate. Often the case. But you like a musical reference on uh, on the Sunday session. I, th- I think you invited um, songs about. Callum Robinson anyway but so you may have stolen my thunder but my version was so here's to you Callum Robinson Big Sam loves you more than you will know Chelsea say oh 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 brilliant so lovely Lovely. you're really proud of that aren't you um, I think you were I expecting am. some sort of standing ovation. I'm sorry we didn't get that it. That was very you. good. It was, it, was, it was good. Actually, I mean, Al, the reason we asked for songs like that is because actually it was inspired by Henry Winter's tweet in which he said something similar, actually, on uh, on Twitter earlier in the day. Henry did and you, I often think alike. Did you, did you nick it from him? Did you? Because, you, 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 you know, you're a bit of a copy and paster. <laughs> oh, funnily enough, I wasn't looking at Henry's tw- tweet in bed. Just <laughs> thinking about you. There's not. There's, there's, oh, it's a family show. Uh, there's not much to say uh, about uh, this from a Chelsea perspective, really. I mean, the 14 game unbeaten run is over. It was absolutely dreadful. I mean, watch it back if you if you have five minutes because it is it's comedy goal. The the one one goal, a straight ball from the goalkeeper. Pereira finishes it off. I mean, Johnston gets an assist for that. Alonso all over the place it was a three then a four man defence then a three again neither worked then all through Sunday we've been treated to these bust up stories Rudiger and Kepa they didn't even play uh, James and Athbilicueta apparently they fell out I mean if they'd shown that level of aggression in the game they wouldn't have lost 5-2 it really was a shambolic performance which started before Silver was dismissed so don't fall into this trap of thinking well Silver was dismissed and they went to pieces they went to pieces well before that they never actually were, were not in pieces why did it happen? I think Trev's right complacency same reason they were awful at Barnsley Christensen who's been one of their better defenders Trevor really likes him although as soon as the pressure's on you know he's like oh get me out of here um, Rudiger didn't play Christian didn't play Mount didn't play from the start Havertz didn't play from the start Chilwell who look whatever you say about Chilwell he's not the best left wing back in the world he's a left back when you end up playing a left back Alonso is not your man so straight away, Chilwell needs to get on the pitch because he is the left back out of the two of them. Um, I just think he, he tried to be too clever. Werner mm. is woefully out of form. He tried One to goal of, in 21. He tried to sort of woo him. He missed a massive chance against North Mas- Macedonia. And then he, he wanted to stay out and do some finishing practice on Thursday and Friday. He was banned from doing so. And Thomas Tuchel tried to be clever and sort of come up with this sort of like dating analogy about how, you know, you don't chase it. You know, you just stand off and wait for them to call you, uh, which was just awful and cliched and cringingly bad. Um, but I think he tried to rest those he, he thought were, were exhausted or tired from international duty. Tried to be cute with Werner and it just backfired. You know, mm. they I would say play. I'd say play your best team for an hour yeah. and then start resting players up and see how the game is. They're but, playing um, Saturday lunchtime and then they're playing Porto in Seville, I think Wednesday. You know, mm. I mean, you've got to 
bearing in mind, they're so fit, the players. We've spoken to them last week. Yeah. They, you know, they're happy to play every, every and, game. And the way that they've travelled now, you know, it's private jets or first class in, on planes. And actually, I think it's the success that's it's helped, well, made him take his eye off the ball. You know, 14 games unbeaten, two goals conceded, one of them was an own goal. And then you go into this game thinking they're right down the bottom. They've got no chance. And you concede five. It's awful. Uh, dear oh dear I don't like Chelsea's running I've got to be honest with you they finish with Palace in the league next Brighton then West Ham which is always a difficult game for Chelsea uh, Fulham which is a derby you know whether you like it or not it is you know it's, they've both got the same postcode uh, then they've got Manchester City Arsenal Leicester and Villa to finish the season so I think it's going to be a tough run in for Chelsea mm-hmm. and what happens then if, if Thomas Tuchel misses out on the top four Get your powder jar. We'll talk about that on another podcast, I think. But uh, I think it depends on whether or not um, somebody else is is available, unavailable. I, I think maybe Julian... Another not. German speaker. Oh, it perhaps. might be, with really loud suits. Um, let's wow. talk about Manchester United against Brighton. Uh, 2-1 winners. Danny Welbeck became the first former United player to score three times against them since leaving in what was a limp first half from Manchester United. Title of your season review. Um, Robert, <laughs> Robert Sanchez, uh, underemployed in that first half. No shot on target. The first time that has happened in 18 months. My next question, when I uh, sent out the initial run order was what's happened to Bruno Fernandes well in the second half he created the equaliser with a brilliant ball got crunched at the same time then created the second really although Pogba claims the assist but it was all to do with him he basically changed the game again yeah and that's the story of United season isn't it as you say there have been so many limp first halves particularly at home where they've really struggled. I thought they looked a bit flat, a bit jaded, but that isn't just because of the international break, because they looked like that against Leicester in the last game prior to that break. And they're still heavily reliant on Bruno Fernandes. Having said that, they're on 60 points now. Um, Andy Mitten on Twitter tells me that's 15 points more than they had at this stage last season. So wow. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will see that as signs of progress. And they're 11 points clear of fifth place that, as we record that, this podcast. It's not, it's not signs of progress. That, that is progress, yeah. isn't it? You know, that is not, it's not like he's, he's sort of like masquerading as uh, some sort of like possible sign of, uh, of improvement. This is a guy who's taken them from miles away to in contention. They're up there. They're the second best team in the country. Yeah, but there are mitigating factors. Liverpool won't be. There's as always bad mitigating again. factors. There's always Liverpool won't be as bad again. Chelsea, you would imagine, will make a stronger start next season. They did this. But listen, I think the top four is sealed now. They're eleven points clear of fifth, as I say. Just That's be okay. nice to him. Just be nice. I don't. I, I don't understand it. So many people who like or love Manchester United have got a problem with one of their greatest super subs or greatest players who's made a massive impact at the football club. And Trev, look what they've done to him. Look what they've done to him. When he took the job, he was fresh-faced, he had brown hair, he looked like he'd just come off a a sunbed. You know, going into the international break, he looked about 154. He's had 10 days off. he looks like me. He looks fine. He looks fine after 10 days off. He just looks chilled out. I mean, I texted you and I said, look how young he looks. (laughs) He looks 10 years younger. And I think, I mean, that is the pressure, that that job, the the hot seat at Manchester United. must be like I can't even imagine but you've got to say he's man managed the egos in that team really well especially Pogba Anthony Martial I think is a different thing I'm not sure what's happening with Edison Cavani because his performance was poor today he looked very disinterested but in he's general, older than you Trev that's why instead <laughs> he looks older than me um, I, I was impressed with United second half and I was impre- I was impressed yeah. with Bruno Fernandes taking a kick to make sure he releases that ball to Rashford at the, the, the right time so it's an easy finish for him talk about pass appreciation and taking one for the team yeah. superb again composure putting that ball in he picked out Pogba it was a miss it by Pogba he, he missed it which world class players do into a good area mm. and the kid Fox in the box got his head to it and finished that and it was a good win disappointing refereeing for me and I know VAR looked at it but Mike Dean I thought that should have been a penalty with the Harry Maguire challenge on uh, Danny Welbeck in the second half I thought he clipped him as he was pulling his leg back to strike the ball that was a bit disappointing from a Brighton point of view but I thought Brighton played well first half they looked after the ball they were really bright and uh, yeah they could have been a couple up but yeah. at half time they could have gone nine points above the drop zone but they just didn't have the resolve in the end to see it out in the second half I agree with you I think it could have been a penalty I don't think it was a clear and obvious error well if so I said to you Sam if that is say that's a, a Rashford taking that strike and one of the um, Brighton players making that challenge I think 
that gets given as a penalty. And that's what I'm saying. I think it was a penalty for me. Yeah. Crook, what do you think? Because you're unbiased in this. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you, Sam. I don't think it was a clear and obvious error. I think it was clumsy from Maguire. He got himself wrong side. If it was given, I don't think United could have complained. No. 35 Premier League goals in the second half this season. 21 in the first. They're a much better second half team than they are a first half team. Manchester United. Uh, eight of their last nine goals at Old Trafford have been scored in the second half. They were, though, a little bit all over the place from set pieces, which needs to uh, get sorted out. Let's talk about... Brighton are good at those, though. Brighton. Can we talk about Dean Henderson? We, what, he's mishandling? Mm, again. These are basics. You know, if you're playing, if you're, if you're wanting to compete for that number one spot... For England, and Look, you're, we're, we're snow, we're so flaky, aren't we? Like well, one minute we're like, get Dean Henderson in, give him a run of games, and now we're like get De Gea back in again. You know, give the lad a break. Mm. They're going to sell De Gea, aren't they? At the end of the season, that's what I heard today. That's, that's what, what it sounds like. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I mean, you have to, don't you? He earns too much money to be a backup goalkeeper. And if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to now his colours to the Henderson mask, then clearly De Gea needs to move on. Uh, Anthony Martial could miss the rest of the season with a knee injury. Hey, listen, there's no no denying I've not been a fan of his visit, lack of enthusiasm, um, wearing that number nine shirt or in that number nine position for Manchester United. You need to be better than that. And he hasn't been, but yeah, gutted for him because as a you know former player, it's the worst thing that can happen for you to be stood out on the sides with an injury. So yeah, I wish him a speedy recovery. It is a problem for United because we've alluded to it already. I don't think Cavani can play every game. Um, so they are going to need a focal point and for all... Martial's deficiencies he has at times this season been that focal point so I do think it is a problem forward towards the penalty spot away by Fafana comes back to Fernandinho strike is early and pass Schmeichel into the net well there's a complaint by Kasper Schmeichel about a player being in an offside position but Manchester City think they've taken the lead here the goal after Quite a bit of confusion and discussion has been chalked off. Steps up right footed, sends it towards the corner, hits the crossbar, comes up into the air, bounces down, and it's half cleared and turned away by Castagna out towards the far side. It's a wicked effort from De Bruyne. Here is Mares inside the area, it's broken free, and he's shot towards the goal. It's saved by the feet of Schmeichel. Perez, after a good work from Indeedy, here's Vardy round the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper's come out, and Vardy's scored another goal against the big six. Or has he? Offside flag is up. It will be checked by VAR. Disallowed. And VAR checked it. Comes back out to Rodri. Right side towards the far post. It falls to Benjamin Mendy, who cuts back in right footed and scores his second ever Manchester City goal. And finally, the Leicester resistance is broken just before the hour mark. Mares wants it back again. Jesus is trying to break the lines. He has broken the lines. He set up Sterling, who's inside the six yard box. He's left the defender for dead. Plays it back to Jesus through the legs of Castagna and in. And Jesus scores on his 24th birthday to secure all three points for Manchester. Manchester City. Well, it wasn't perfect from Manchester City, but it was pretty close, wasn't it? And when I said those words to Pep Guardiola afterwards, he couldn't contain his joy. He was so happy about it. Yes, he said, it was very, very good. Uh, Trevor, uh, Leicester decided they would sit back and try and keep City out. You've had 24 hours to think about it now. Could they have done anything else? Not really. I think Brendan's hands were tied behind his back because they don't have that. We were talking off air um, and what we think, if you play against... Manchester City and you've not got the players to compete on a one-on-one basis they're probably going to dictate play and to be able to get out from your goalkeeper or your defenders you need a Lukaku somebody six foot four who can bully the defenders hold the ball up and then you can go and get players to join in nice and quickly and build from there they had Vardy they had Ineaccio they're not big enough to do that job and I, when you've got when you've got defenders that are as quick as you, or quicker when in in the case of Kyle Walker, and you try and play because City were high onto the halfway line pressing properly, they almost had no pass out the ball over the top. Kyle Walker covering across, you're not going to get there even if you're Vardy. And it was um, they were damned if they did, and they were damned. I think they did well to get to half half time nil nil. 
Um, but then as soon as Aguero went off and they started bringing on fresh legs, it was inevitable for me that City were just going to take over the game and that first goal was uh, was coming. Uh, you and I thought that Manchester City were just absolutely brilliant. I walked down the stairs and uh, bumped into Jim Proudfoot and Matt Holland and uh, both of them were the same that we were just sitting there going, well, what, what can you do? There's literally nothing you can do in those circumstances. It's so difficult because they're so very, very good. And then I spoke to Brendan Rodgers and in mitigation, he basically said, look, that they're better than us. <laughs> and I kind of sort of ended the interview there. There's not really much point in asking him anything else. <laughs> it's a worry though, isn't it? For, for the competitiveness of yeah, the league. Totally. Uh, it's exactly what I said to Trev yesterday. Mm. Uh, you know, are we in danger of becoming a Bundesliga where Bayern Munich tend to win it by X amount of points up until this season. Paris Saint-Germain have romped the French League. Is, are Manchester City just going to be 15, 18 points better than everybody else every season when you can leave out the players that he did and then your backup left-back scores a goal as fabulous as Mendy does? I mean, you might as well pack up and go home, yeah. to be honest, if you're the rest of the division. But yeah, listen, you can't point the finger at Manchester City. You've got to point the finger at the competitors. They've got to step up their game, think outside the box, bring in better players, um, find the, the resources um, to, to get players in to be able to compete. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I mentioned it on air, Sam, it was, it was almost like a first team bringing in the under 18s or something to play against for a bit of shadow play. And there was Manchester City was just toying with them. And, you know, the first goal, I was really pleased for Mendy because he has had a really bad time at Manchester City performances after his injury. Uh, a lot was expected for him. It's not quite worked out. And that was a bit of a highlight for him Only his second goal for the club. Great chop inside of his left and a, a nice finish with his right. And, uh, and for me, the highlight of the game was uh, Kevin De Bruyne and he, he was threading the eye of needles with his passes all over the place. And in the end, it was almost like he was orchestrating everything. He looked he, he looked like he had a force field around him and he was just doing exactly what he wanted. It was a it was a joy to witness. Look, they're brilliantly coached and Pep is fantastic and he's done a fantastic job with them. Um, and he's sort of developed, even as he's been in through the Premier League and you've noticed this year that he's decided to not be as gung-ho again. He's even tightened up even from where he was a couple of years ago when he tightened up after an initial sort of flourish in the first year that he was in the Premier League. But let's not deny that this is an accumulation of some of the world's best talent. You know, you look through yesterday's team or Saturday's team, Edison, incredibly expensively acquired. Walker, 50 million quid from Tottenham, you know, sort of eight years ago. So what's that price now? Ruben Diaz, 60 million. Laporte, 60 million. Mendy, same as Walker, was, you know, 30, 40, 40, 50 million, you know, a long time ago from Monaco. Rodri, 60 million. De Bruyne, acquired expensively, probably now would be worth, you know, 200 million. Fernandinho was 35 million 10 years ago. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, expensively acquired. Aguero, 35 million 10 years ago. Mares, record signing from Leicester four years ago, 60 million pounds. I mean, and then on the bench, Stones, Aki, Jao Cancelo cost 60 million quid as a fullback. And Sterling, they spent 50 million pounds on. I mean, it's an accumulation of of expensively acquired talent and not everybody is going to have the ability to be able to oh. compete with that. Yeah, that's a true fact. And it's done, it, listen, they've not done it overnight. No, it's they've not. It's a decade-long recruitment period. Yeah. And they had to do that because it was so far behind, you know, the big clubs like Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal at the time. And you look what Arsenal have done by not spending the move into the stadium, how they've gone backwards and that could quite easily happen to any club. You've got to keep on reinvesting and improving the squad. And I think that could be pointed at Liverpool last season. Off-season, they didn't invest enough money on improving again and going again and really stamping their authority on the Premier League. They didn't do that. Manchester City, they've got the finances, they've got the backing, they've got the sponsors. They've managed to be able to do that year on year and they've got the top manager. And I think that makes a massive difference. You stop smiling now, Trev. <laughs> Um, the only thing I would say is that it does have a feel of sort of like Chelsea in the 2000s yeah. because the one thing they haven't done or won't and, and, and doesn't look like doing is actually bringing players through from the academy and that might be the next stage because they've you know spent a lot of money on that uh, mm. process as well. I mean, Foden obviously, I mean, he's just a generational talent. He's absolutely fantastic. I hear that next season they're going to put Liam Delap into the yeah. first team squad. So uh, maybe, maybe we'll start seeing a drip feed of players. There's a through. few. There's a few that are training but, with the first team. That that's through. a 2020 
25 year project Probably, as opposed to yeah. a 10. Well, look at that. No, because yeah, if you Chelsea, look at Sanchez, yeah. if Sanchez was still at the club, um, he could be then making uh, a step into that first team squad, but he wasn't ready to wait. So we have lost another potentially gener- generational talent there. You've got Liam Delat, you've got other players that are on the fringe. They could start bringing players through into that squad and the more which would probably be as Crook says yeah. a fast track because you know ultimately yeah. look at Chelsea they've been doing it for 17, 18 years yeah. and, and only now you're starting to see more of that that talent coming through uh, right let's move on to uh, some of the other action down the bottom of the table Peters into the area trying to roll Carl Walker Peters gets to the byline hits it against Stuart Armstrong Peters has stayed down there's a VAR check for a possible penalty for this challenge and he's looked at VAR and he's given the penalty to Burnley Wood this chance to give Burnley the lead right footy drive right down the middle and Burnley have the lead at St Mary's Wood flicks the ball and well for Matej Vitra 2-0 to Burnley and Southampton are really up against it now and this is a, a terrific start here from Burnley Will Prowse again inside the centre of the Burnley half little touch from Ings finds Armstrong oh it's 2-1 yeah we've been treated to some really good football here it's Ings into the area the angle's tight checks back onto his left foot tries to play through the what a goal, Danny Ings! And Danny Ings back in the side. Brings Southampton level. Redmond across for a shot from Ward Browse. Hits the underside of the bar and stays out. Ings heads it back goals. Cleared off the line by Tarkovsky. It's cleared by Ben Mee. Comes out to Armstrong. Checks onto his right as you the area. Shot, what a save! What a save, Nick Pope. Ings checking onto his right foot. Danny Ings, brilliant save. Pope comes out to Walcott. Lofts it to Redmond! Nathan Redmond has scored for Southampton and they've turned it round. This is absolutely crackers. <laughs> Southampton three, Burnley two. Woods in behind, but the full-time whistle goes. And Southampton have won, having gone 2-0 down to Burnley. A 3-2 victory. A precious, precious victory. Full-time at St Mary's. What a game. Southampton three, Burnley two. Well, what a game this was on TalkSport 2. Burnley, basic but effective, summed up by Vidra's goal, long ball, up to big man Wood, knock down, volley, go, have some of that. It was very 1989. Um, But despite the fact they got themselves 2-0 in front, Southampton fought back brilliantly and Danny Ings was their star. Back after a month-long absence due to a leg issue, involved in all three Saints goals, inspired the host to a first home league success in three months. They showed character to come back, especially as they had suffered 10 defeats in 12 league outings prior to kickoff. Crook. And Danny Ings, I mean, look, we've been talking about him all day. I mean, I don't know what his future holds. You, you've been close to, to what's happening there. What, 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 what is he going to do next? Yeah, I think I've got a fair idea. Um, so, so basically, the, the situation is that his contract expires at the end of next season. I think the indications from him are that he's happy with the wages on offer. He will be Southampton's highest paid player ever if he signs that contract. He's just keeping his options open until the summer. There is a hint of interest from Manchester City, probably not as a, a replacement for Sergio Aguero, but if they decide to sign two strikers, he could well be on their list. Manchester United have also been mentioned. I think it's probably come more from the Danny Ings camp than from United themselves. If one of those two clubs were to make an offer, Southampton would try their best to accommodate the move because they don't want to be seen to stand in Danny Ings' way. If not, I think he'll sign. He won't jump ship and join an Everton or a West Ham or a Leicester. It will be for one of those elite clubs. For me... I would be a bit cautious if I were Danny Ings. I wouldn't necessarily want to go to Manchester City and play second fiddle to a Haaland or a Harry Kane. He's adored at Southampton. They play to his strengths. He was a Southampton fan as a kid. He could go down in folklore like Matt Letizier and and, and Ricky Lambert after him. Sometimes the grass isn't always greener and Danny Ings will know that because of course he went to Liverpool and it was ravaged by injury. Yeah, 29 in the summer as well, Danny Ings. Um, Look, I mean, he's brilliant. I mean, the goal he scored was absolutely superb but I think he would be brilliant as a backup at Manchester City because he does what Pep wants which is press high from the front and causes people problems I don't think he'd be great at Manchester United if I'm honest I don't think it would would, would work for him I think the Liverpool tag would come out again but you know not necessarily something that, that would bother him too much but I just don't think he sort of suits their way of playing Trevor would you advise him to stay at Southampton? 
Um, I, I usually advise, I mean, and that's how I play. I'd advise players, if they're happy with their football, they're happy with the ambition of the club that they're at and they're scoring goals and they feel appreciated and valued by the club and the fans, stay. If you can get a wage rise, stay. I, I think I signed three, I was telling you, I signed three contracts in my first 12 months at West Ham yeah. because I went in on a certain contract because I was, wasn't playing at QPR, I'd come back from injury. Within three or four months, the gaffer said, listen, you're doing great, bang, rewarded me, Harry Redknapp. And I think beginning of the next season, they give me another contract. I would stay. I think he, he looks like he suits uh, the club. Uh, and you sometimes, I mean, I went to West Ham, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I was pretty scared because of the reputation that certain aspects of the fans and the club was all about. I couldn't have been happier at that football club. Hand in glove, went great. Fans, the area, the people, loved it. He seems to have that relationship. But I do agree with you, Sam. I think he would be perfect for Manchester City. And from what we were hearing from Pep Guardiola, they can't afford to go for these big boys. So unless that's his poker um, answer, and they are just keeping quiet, but they are going to go for either a Haaland or a Messi or Mbappe or whoever... I think he would suit the Manchester City philosophy. He presses well. And one thing that he's really good at, he's clinical, as he's shown today. Uh, Leeds 2, Sheffield United 1. This game really headline-making because of the farcical implementation of the concussion protocols. Um, ended with the football authorities being sort of told, you've got to end this. This is ridiculous. The trial doesn't make any sense. Um, you've got to go for the temporary solution, like in rugby, where the head injury replacements come on while someone is being assessed. It happened because George Baldock, who plays for Sheffield United, is a defender. He was allowed to continue after he got whacked in the head before later being removed when he complained of blurred vision. He basically was allowed to return to the field after someone checked him out, only then to have to go off again 10 minutes later because he was saying, oh, I can't see anything. How important is it for someone to be able to go off the pitch and have a proper check, Trevor? Massively important. And... Um... I was disappointed to see that because I, I, I've been calling for this for a while. It needs to be an independent off-field assessment and a substitute should be ready to come directly onto the pitch, even if it's just for five minutes, while that independent medical advisor looks at the player, has an assessment, does it all properly, all the due diligence, and if he's fit, he then passes him back to the club's own medical staff for them to then do the substitution and get him back on the pitch. You're playing with lives and you know I heard Alan Shearer saying, what are we waiting for? That is a scary question, because what are we waiting for? It's football trying to be too clever again, and dare I say there's a bit of arrogance as well. Yeah. The system that we're advocating works perfectly well in rugby union, for example. Just copy just that. Just copy that. Just copy that. Somebody else has done it. Why don't you just do it like they do it? It's because it's, because you, it's the same with the VAR, isn't it? You know, mm. They do it yeah. well. Should we just copy them because they do it well? It makes more sense to me. But Complicate it. Just We think we can do it better. Um, Everton against Crystal Palace is a Monday night game Wolves against West Ham is another Monday night game two games on Monday uh, Everton Pickford still not back but they're rubbish at home uh, they did play well against Manchester City before the international break uh, they are unbeaten in their past 12 games against Crystal Palace who wins this one? should be Everton you know given, given Pal- Palace's poor form away from home and Everton, Everton do have something to play for. They are in the hunt for the top four and this is the type of game if they want to get there, they really need to be winning and probably winning with something to spare. Uh, Palace won clean sheet in 18 Premier League games so you'd expect Dominic Calvert-Lewin to have a field day. Wolves against West Ham United. Wolves have got some injury issues from the international break. Rui Patricio though is back. Similar for West Ham really. Wolves could go three consecutive Premier League matches without scoring for the first time in nine years. Uh, Trevor, um, after watching West Ham against uh, Arsenal, first 45 minutes, I was like, wow, West Ham, are, they're brilliantly organised. And then as soon as it started to go wrong, they started to have a bit of a wobble, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. and, and when you look at Arsenal's performance against Liverpool, that starts to look even a worse second half performance. Listen, I think there was a lot of pride on the table there for the Arsenal players, a lot of desperation, and they found a way uh, and a spirit within the side to get back in the game. But I was disappointed with the reaction from, from West Ham. And I think it's almost like a, a fallback for uh, David Moyes when he feels under pressure he gets more men back and I remember uh, listening to Sir Alex Ferguson say that when he has got a situation where they're under pressure they'll put another man up front and try and just put the game to bed and I think I wish I'd got, we had a little bit more of that from that from David Moyes because going forward I think West Ham are superb and they beat him in the corresponding fixture earlier in the season I think they can beat him away, away from home as well and yeah I'm looking forward to this yeah, very much looking forward to it. Uh, West Ham have won three of their last four top flight games 
played on a Monday this season. If that's not the best stat you'll hear this weekend, I don't know what is. Alex Crook, thank you very much. I know you've got a train to catch and you're desperate to get out tonight so that you're not stuck in London and therefore uh, homeless. What would you do if you got stuck? <laughs> Sleep in the I'm Times t- Radio studio? No, normally I go to find a pub, but uh, we can't do that at the moment, so even more need to get home on time. <laughs> right, that's it from us. We're off to grow Magnum PI moustaches. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.